0: glad i could get the mask off over the microphone well i'm excited to be here um and we're just so uh, thankful for each one of you so thankful to uh steve pastor steve and jan pastor ben and holly and their their families and their hospitality and and each one of you uh, we've just been so encouraged by what god is doing here the way you love the church the way you love the lord the way you serve and we've been really really encouraged and we just We're we're far from our our family, but I can honestly say, I know Whitney would agree, we we feel like uh, in this room is is family. And so we've really appreciated this week. Uh, And I'm humbled and I'm excited to be able to continue this series and the Psalms with you all this morning. So we're going to be in Psalms 42 this morning. If you want to go ahead and turn there. Uh, And as you do that, Psalm 42, I'm going to lift up our time together in prayer. Father, I thank You for everything You've done. I thank You for the truths we sang about this morning. I thank You that you're sovereign. I thank you that you're gracious. I thank you that you've been so faithful to me in my life. I thank you that I don't deserve to be a part of a church, but in your grace, I get to serve the church. And I just thank you for that, Father, and I praise you for that. And I pray now, Father, that you would come. No no one needs me. We need you. We need the living God to enter into this time in a special way. God, would you speak to us Holy Spirit, would you speak through me? Give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see. Convict us. Encourage us. Love us. Meet with us. Speak to your people, God. In Jesus' name, would you fill this time with your presence and your grace. In Jesus' name. Well, let's read from Psalm 42, and then we will dive in together. Psalm 42. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul... Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I will again praise Him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands His steadfast love, and at night His song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? And why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with the deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries, they taunt me, and they say to me all day long, where is your God? So why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. Now there is so much here. There's so much here we could dive into when it comes to our topic this morning, which is how do we pray when we're discouraged? And I can tell you that that I feel that. I feel that. How do we go to God when we're downcast, when we would say maybe we're even spiritually depressed, and, and maybe we don't even want to pray? How do we do that? I believe God wants to speak to you this morning through this passage, if, if that's you today. So let's walk verse by verse, and let's listen for Him. So let's look first at verses 1-3. through three. The first thing the psalmist does is he acknowledges his spiritual condition. He gives this image. There's a, a deer panting for flowing streams. It's like the psalmist is saying, I'm dying of thirst. And the only thing that would quench this thirst is the living God. He's painting a picture of desperation. He's saying, I'm I'm searching for God with all that I have. It's like my life depends on it and I'm still thirsty. Maybe that's you right now. Or maybe it has been in the past. It probably will be at some point in the future. Whatever the case, here's the encouraging part I want to start with. To recognize that you're spiritually thirsty is a gracious gift of God. The only reason you'll ever recognize that you're spiritually needy is because God graciously opens your eyes to your condition. Do you realize, do you think about how many people, they, they go through life, billions of people, they wander through their life and they never realize how spiritually thirsty they are. So if you have been going through what you'd say is a spiritually discouraging season, and maybe you're starting to think that God's not that active in your life, maybe you're even questioning His love for you, His affection for you. I want to encourage you. I believe God wants to remind you of this truth. If He didn't love you, you wouldn't even realize you're thirsty. The only reason you long for Him to be actively at work in your life, church, is because He already is. And what I mean is that God has, in His grace, looked down at all these billions of people. He's looked at you and He's looked at me in our rebellion towards Him, in our going our own ways. He's looked into our life and He has set His love on us. And He has decided to look past our sin, past our rebellion, to open our eyes to our heart's need for Him. So if you've been downcast and you've been discouraged because you don't experience the God, God the way you wish you did, I want you to be encouraged. That, that longing, that hunger, that's God. He's doing that. The psalmist goes on to say, my tears have been my food day and day. Night. He, he can't even eat. He's so depressed and discouraged. And these first few verses show us this man is past the point of pretending. And that's what we need to do when we're in a spiritually discouraged season. We need to get past the point of pretending. Pretending. We have to want God badly enough that we're ready to give up on looking and sounding impressive to the people around us. We have to be ready and willing to confess our sin to others, to admit that it's not okay, to go to God and confess that we need more of Him, that we're not content with how things are. James 4.6 Tells us, he quotes Proverbs to say that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So, my question is could it be possible that your spiritual breakthrough is not coming because you're too proud to admit that you need it? Do you want the nearness of the Lord badly enough to admit to other people that you're not okay? Don't settle for the respect of people when the nearness of Jesus is offered to you. God stands ready and He stands willing to pour out His grace on the humble. God's Word promises. So one of the keys to praying when we're spiritually discouraged is to humble ourselves. In verse 3, he also tells us he not only has these internal issues, these things going on within himself on the inside, but there's these external pressures. He says people out there, are, they're looking on at my situation and they're, they're mocking me and they're mocking God. And that brings us to an important point. How we handle dark and discouraging seasons shows the world what Jesus is like. See, it's easier to be happy when work is going well and everyone is healthy and there's plenty of money. But God is especially glorified when we can suffer with a smile, when Jesus gives us peace and hope and even joy in the face of sickness or job loss or uncertainty. When that happens, the world takes notice and God gets glory. And God is passionate about getting that type of glory in your life. And He will get it. And it won't be because we're strong or we're wise or we're moral. It will be because we humbly confess and admit our absolute dependence and need of Him. Because of that, you can pray with confidence. Verse 4. The psalmist goes on in verse 4 to remember how much better things used to be. And, and this verse is very relevant for us. He, what he remembers is how he used to be able to gather with large groups of people and how things were so much better then. And we can certainly relate. We, we think back to how things used to be before we had a worldwide pandemic and things were different. And because of the pandemic, we've all had to deal with some separation from each other, right? And maybe, understandably, this season has really, really hurt you spiritually. I want to tell you, you have divine permission from God to admit that it has hurt you, to admit that you're not okay. As I've been saying, it's essential to our spiritual life that we confess the reality of our brokenness. But sometimes we go a little far with that. Sometimes we get so caught up in what's wrong and our problems that we begin to listen to ourselves rather than preach to ourselves. What I mean is is this. In verse 5, we can look at 5 and 6. Up to this point, the psalmist, he's been praying to God. And we've been able to look in on those prayers through the Scripture. But in verse 5, he's not actually talking to God anymore, and he's not really talking to us. He's talking to himself. He's, He's preaching to himself. He's actually doubting his doubts. So even though he acknowledges everything that's wrong, he recognizes that what's most important, what's Ultimate, what will be the foundation for his future happiness is not his changing circumstances, but his unchanging God. He tells himself to hope in God. Why? Because he says, I will again praise him. He's exhorting his own soul to hope in God today because he knows he will praise him tomorrow. So let me remind you that no matter how bad things have gotten, no matter how spiritually dark the season is, or how distant you feel from God, you will again praise Him. If you love Jesus and you hate your sin, this season, if it's spiritually dark for you, will not be the last word of your story, not even if you fight it the rest of your life on this earth. Why? because a day is coming when you will breathe your last breath and the bible tells us that to be absent from the body is to be present with the lord when you breathe your last breath you will behold the glory of god in the face of jesus and church in that moment any hint of spiritual depression or darkness or discouragement will lift and it will be gone for the next trillions and trillions of years it's a promise spiritual depression will lift it could happen as you listen today. it could happen next month. But it might not be until you're looking into the eyes of Jesus and you touch His nail-scarred hands, but it will lift. So how do you preach to yourself so that you can pray when you're discouraged by holding on to and meditating and running to biblical promises like that one? We get another glimpse of how we preach to ourselves in the next couple sentences. He admits again that his soul is downcast. And then he says, therefore, I will remember you. He's saying that because I feel far from God, I will make the effort to remember God. Now these locations he mentions would actually have been far from the temple. So he's saying, I feel distant from the presence of God. The Lord, therefore, I will remember Him. Therefore, I will think about Him. Therefore, I will bring Him to the forefront of my mind. Sometimes when we're in a spiritually discouraging season, we're quick to forget all the ways God has worked. All the things He has done. And this can make it really hard to pray because we can start to believe the lie that God's not actually that involved in your life. And maybe even as you look around, you see other people in the church, you feel like they're in some separate category and God, he listens to them and he works in their life. And oh, I I just wish I was like them. If that's you, we, we have this really powerful weapon against discouragement, against spiritual depression, and it's this. We need to remember all God has done in our life. But maybe you're thinking, man, things are so dark for me right now. I don't know that I, if I can even do that. But I believe the Lord wants to remind you of a few things He's done in your life. First of all, you didn't just accidentally become a follower of Jesus. No, God Himself sovereignly moved people and events around in your life in such a way that you would hear the Gospel. And then there was a time when you heard that Gospel and it clicked for you. It became real to you. Your eyes were open to see Jesus as glorious... For the first time, you received him as your Lord, your savior, your treasure. What you used to think was foolish, you now saw as glorious. The Bible tells us you didn't do that. That's a gift of God. Remember that. Remember the cross. Think through the agony of the lashes on the back of Jesus. Think of the crown of thorns as it was pressed into his forehead, his brow. Think of the sound of the nails as they were driven into his hands. Think of the blood as it ran down his body. And remember, he did this so that you could be reconciled to God. He did this so that you could know God. If you're stuck, if you're depressed, if it's dark, remember these things. You could go on and on and on like this in specific ways in your own life. Just recounting all the ways the Lord has worked in your life. We can't afford to just listen to ourselves when we're spiritually depressed or discouraged. No, we must preach to ourselves. We look back at what God has done in our life, and we look ahead through his promises to what he will do in the future. Verse 7. The psalmist goes on to say, these waves are crashing over him. Now it's interesting, the beginning of the psalm, he painted a picture of thirst. And now he 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 talks like he's drowning. And it may seem like a bit of a contradiction. How can you be thirsty and feel like you're drowning? But if you've been in a season that I'm describing as spiritual depression, it makes perfect sense. But here's what we need to see in verse 7. He recognizes that even those waves, even those breakers that go over Him, they're in God's hand. He understands that even what seems like chaos, God is in control. We have to remember when we're spiritually discouraged that God has not given up. God has not looked away. God has not lost interest in you. He is not worried that there's no way He might be able to get control of your spiritual state. No, He's in absolute control. And if you're in a discouraging season, you can believe He has a loving purpose in it. Now that sounds great. But how do you know that when you're in this place? Maybe a a loved one rejects Jesus. Maybe you're walking through pain and suffering. Maybe someone you love is suffering. Maybe you've lost someone. Maybe you you, you just can't remember what it's like to experience God's presence. So how do you know? How do you you make yourself remember that, yes, He is in control, when it seems like life is spinning out of control? I believe the next verse shows us. Verse 8. The psalmist says, By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me. Church, here's how you can know that God is in control in the darkest seasons of your life. You're here this morning. You're listening to the teaching of God's word, you're singing to God with the saints. If God was not in control, you would not be singing but His song is with you and He sends out His steadfast love. You're still looking to Him. You're still lifting your hands in prayer. You're still turning maybe even tear-filled eyes toward Him in worship. You're here. And that is a sign that God is in control. Yes, it may feel like waves and breakers are crashing over you, but they are God's waves. And He will accomplish His purpose in your life through them. Verses 9 and 10, the psalmist asks a question, and maybe you have found yourself asking this question in your walk with the Lord at one time or another. He says, God, why have you forgotten me? And and maybe you connect with that right now. Maybe you're thinking, God, I, I am praying, I'm I'm reading your word, I'm gathering with the saints. It feels like you don't notice. And you feel like you, if you were honest, you would ask God that, have have you forgotten me? It seems like you remember other people. Have you have you forgotten me? But you're not the only one that's felt that way. Of course, we know the writer of this psalm has felt that way, but the Son of God has also experienced that. You probably remember what Jesus cried out from the cross. In his physical agony, there's this spiritual agony, a separation from God. And as he hung on the cross, he quoted a psalm. He's, you, I know you, you could quote it. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, Jesus let himself be temporarily forgotten by the Father so that you could be remembered by God forever. So yeah, in our darkest seasons and and moments, He may seem far away, but because Jesus suffered the experience of being cast out of the Father's presence on on the cross, we can be welcomed into the Father's presence forever. So when you find yourself asking, have you forgotten me, God? Remember, Jesus willingly stepped into that experience for you. And He did it so that you would find unconditional acceptance. Next in the verse, we see he, he acknowledges the oppression of the enemy. Now, during these times in Israel, they would have had physical enemies that they would have fought against. In the, the Old Testament, you know some of those stories. It's full of stories of battle and, and war. And as Christians on this side of the cross, we don't, we don't fight against people. Our enemies are not physical people that we fight against. No, Ephesians 6.12 tells us this. We actually wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So our enemy is an unseen spiritual enemy. And the Bible tells us he's very real and he's very active and he's very opposed to what is happening. We know that not every spiritually dark or difficult season can be attributed to Satan right? But oftentimes the enemy is at work in these seasons. Maybe you've given him a foothold in some way, maybe hanging on to, holding on to bitterness or or anger or unconfessed sin, or maybe you're, you're giving in to his lies about a temptation, or maybe you feel crushed under the weight of his accusations. Maybe he's convinced you like he convinced Eve that God actually doesn't want what's best for you. Whatever the situation is, I want to remind you that you have victory, absolute eternal victory over him in Jesus this morning. So to pray your way out of spiritually discouraging seasons, you have to walk in the victory over the enemy that Jesus has provided. James 4, 7 puts it like this. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. This is a promise from God about our ability to walk in victory. But sometimes, we all know, that's easier said than done. Let's say, for example, you you struggle with believing that God listens to you when you pray. And every time you pray, it's almost like you hear this faint whisper in the back of your mind reminding you that God's ears are open to some other people, but He doesn't listen to you. They're, They're this special class of Christian, and He listens to them differently. Now, it could be that that's your own sinful flesh, or that maybe that's your own doubt, but it could be that it's the accusation of the enemy. And if it is, James 4, 7 promises, we can resist Him. And here's what it would look like in that situation. You admit, yes, God shouldn't listen to me. It's true. He shouldn't listen to me. But then you begin, maybe even out loud, to recite the promises of God. Promises like 1 John 5, 14 and 15. It says, this is the confidence we have toward Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know He hears us in whatever we ask, we know we have the requests that we have asked of Him. Or maybe this promise in Psalm 34 says, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and He delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves the crushed in spirit. Or maybe a promise like Romans 8.32. It says, He, God, who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Or Luke 11, that says, If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You begin to resist the enemy by looking to God in and through His promises. And the Bible says the devil will flee from you. The oppression of the enemy is real, but the victory of Jesus is greater. Verse 11, as we near the end of the psalm he comes back and he uses some of the same phrases that we've talked about already. He assures himself that, yes, I will again praise the Lord. And as we come to the end, I want to draw your attention to how we began. We started out talking about thirst. Spiritual thirst. And as I've thought about this psalm and prayed about this psalm, I can't help but think of the woman at the well. You probably remember her story But if you don't, here's what Jesus said to her in John 4, 10. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked Him. And He would have given you living water. See, the reason she was missing out on living water is she didn't know who she was talking to. So my question for you is, when you pray, do, do you really know who it is you're talking to. He calls Himself the fountain of living waters in the Old Testament. And Jesus in the New Testament says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to Me and drink. Whoever believes in Me, as the Scripture has said, out of him will flow rivers of living water. The Bible tells us the one we pray to makes rivers in the desert. He makes dry bones live. He walks with us in the valley. He turns mourning into dancing. He gives beauty for ashes. He cancels our record of debt. He will one day wipe away every tear from our eyes. He has disarmed demonic powers. He gives life to the dead. He's the bread of life. He's near to the broken-hearted, and He saves the crushed-in spirit, and He promises in His Word and today to you that if you thirst and you come to Him, you will overflow. That's who we pray to. So when you're spiritually depressed and things are dark, stop thinking about yourself and start thinking about the one you pray to. And in the end, as we battle these seasons of disappointment and discouragement, we know there's a day coming. There's a day coming when those seasons will be no more forever. Revelation says it like this, the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. As sure as Jesus lives, there is a day coming in the future when all spiritual discouragement and all spiritual depression will lift forever. And because that day is coming in the future, you can pray with confidence in the present. Let's pray. Father thank you for your word thank you that thank you that you even care about our spiritually dark discouraging seasons and then above and beyond that father you promise to pull us out of those you tell the thirsty to come you tell those who feel dry that you they will overflow when they go to you Jesus they will overflow when they go to you so for those of us who feel dry we feel parched. We feel deserted by you, God. I pray we feel a fresh hope this morning that we would connect with you. Even even during this song, that people would connect with you and they would overflow with the joy of your presence and your love in a way like maybe they never have before, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.